Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Neil Cannon. He is an author, a speaker, a health and vitality mentor. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you, Courtney. And thank you for having me on your show. It's an honor. Yeah, likewise. I'm honored to have you here. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Maybe we can start with a little bit of your backstory. How did you become a health and vitality mentor? Yeah, thank you. I love this question. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's the question I believe we all face when sharing our stories, because I think anyone who works in holistic health and healing or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, comes with their own story. And yeah. And I'm one of those people. I had eczema for the best part of 30 years. And I was always given these these kind of symptom masking treatments, which meant it would always come back. So steroid creams, which have left pigmentation on my skin. I don't know if you can see that, but various parts of my body. I was a lucky one. Some people suffer way more. Um, Prescription moisturizers, which contain nasty ingredients and antibiotics when it got really bad, when I had a flare up. And that was pretty much for 30 years. And it wasn't until my father suffered a stroke where I had my quote unquote wake up call. And his suffering led to my research for my condition. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember him being diagnosed with chronic inflammation a few years prior to his stroke. And the reason I know that is because a weird memory I have, we were standing in the kitchen kitchen, uh, sorry, the house kitchen, the family home, and he was making tea. And he just shared with me that he had this thing called chronic inflammation and he didn't know what it was. Yeah, right. And his sister had tested him. His sister, my aunt, is a naturopathic doctor, medical herbalist, and has about 20 letters after her name. And I just remember thinking when he had the stroke, I was like, hang on, what? I'm sure it was avoidable. Why did I just kind of inner knowing that his stroke was avoidable? And I had already seen this word inflammation in books I was reading and health magazines and mm-hmm. documentaries and interviews I was watching. And I was thinking, why Why didn't his doctor just give him the, the advice to kind of get rid of inflammation? Surely that would have been a good idea. And I <laughs> went place to on, start, it would seem. Yeah. <laughs> so I went on a bit of a research quest, if you will, to kind of prove this inner knowing I had that his stroke was avoidable and to figure out what went wrong. It came from internal, really. I'd done a bit of research in health already. I'd written a book on increasing testosterone naturally for guys. And I'd seen this word inflammation in various places. Anyway, 
Long story short, did a bunch of research, very quickly found out that chronic inflammation was the underlying cause of the asthma he'd had since 12, a fully reversible condition, the hypertension or high blood pressure, which ultimately led to his stroke. So all of that was symptomatic of chronic inflammation. And then I also realized that it's the underlying cause of the eczema I'd had since I was a toddler. So I went about changing my diet and lifestyle and very, very quickly got rid of my eczema. I can't say it, quote unquote, cured because that suggests it will never come back. I see eczema as a symptom, like a warning light in your car, indicating something is necessary. So I've fallen out of balance somewhere. So if that ever happens, for whatever reason, it might come back. But for the most part, it's gone. And then seven years ago, or almost eight years ago now, I started to apply similar principles with my clientele. I started coaching. Someone asked me to coach them. I had no plans on coaching. And we started applying very similar principles. And I was helping my clients reverse different illnesses using the same approaches. And as as I went on, I just discovered more and more things and I've just evolved and evolved and evolved mostly through my own uh, research I do have a nutrition nutrition qualification but for the most part what I teach my clientele or readers is stuff that I have researched uh, to be true for people who reverse quote-unquote incurable illnesses I've got my own podcast I interview people who reverse incurable illnesses according to western medicine and um yeah similar approaches can work across the board so that's that, that's my story in a nutshell and my oh one final thing is my next book is going to be out in a few months and that's going much deeper into each pillar of vitality i call them the four pillars of vitality and i talk about how we can reverse engineer our symptoms so we can come off medication and be illness free medication free and live a life rich in vitality ah i love it what a beautiful story so what were you doing before all this happened I was in real estate. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Totally different. (laughs) Yeah. I was working in London. There's a research element in real estate, though. So there's that. (laughs) That is true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was working in London. I actually had insomnia. Um, I think my body was telling me that I was in the wrong job because I couldn't sleep pretty much from the moment I had my first day at that company. Uh, I had an amazing social scene, but the the job itself was... Uh, anyway, it wasn't my calling, put it that way. Right. And it was, I was made redundant and then I was doing my own thing for a few years, doing interior fit out works and refurbishments. And that's when this whole kind of turnaround happened. Inflection point, if you will. Yeah. Yes. It definitely sounds like that. So if, when you were doing this, uh, did you come across anything in reference to what you think? I, I mean, this is totally hypothetical, but do you think that you would have had like a protocol that would have helped your father potentially? Yes. Yeah. I mean, even around the time he'd had it, I started to become aware of things that he could do to rebuild the brain, mm-hmm. oh. and which was unheard of in, in the Western medical community. Sure. But I started to just immerse myself in everything holistic and healing and i don't i don't like calling it alternative health that's a misnomer in my opinion there's there's lots of different approaches to medicine one one of those approaches is western medicine which which is what i call emergency medicine mm-hmm. and then there's other many other practices to a medicine that were actually around prior to 1910 and i very very quickly discovered that the body can rebuild any organ and including the brain and had he trusted what I was finding out, 
I think he could have actually reversed the stroke damage as well and rebuilt the brain. Wow. Um, now I am more versed and have more research. Sadly, he's he didn't really change his health or what his what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously down to the individual in the end. Um, sure. If they want to go and heal themselves, it's an option. Whether they want to or not is another thing. Mm-hmm. So, but he's been a huge inspiration of mine. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And yeah, I think I think I could have helped him avoid the stroke had I knew what I know now. Right. Right. Wow. So you said you you think that the body can re- rebuild any organ. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, the science of epigenetics is telling us that the the environment in the body is what signals our genes. It's not the genes that trigger illness. So we used to think that our our, gene, our genes were a destiny. Mm-hmm. And we now know that's not the case in the holistic space. So for the majority of the population, more than 95% of the population, it's the environment in their body that signals the genes. It's not the genes that trigger the illness. Right. And there are there is a percentage of the population that is born with defective genes, but it's not to say that those illnesses aren't reversible if one mm-hmm. does get that. <clears throat> so back to the science of epigenetics and the organ re- rebuilding, that's what they're saying. They're saying everything is designed to heal. The body will heal anything providing we create the right environment for it to heal. I recently um, attended a Joe Dispenza event, my Mm -hmm. second advanced retreat, in fact, in Cancun this year or last year. And because we're now in 2023. Right. Right on the last day, we we were seeing case studies throughout the week and seeing people on stage talking about what they'd reversed. And sounds like you're familiar. Multiple people talking about brain uh, cancers disappearing, multiple tumors disappearing and autoimmune disease disappearing and um, blind people seeing again, deaf people hearing again, handicapped people walking again. And, you know, really understanding us as energy beings and what can happen when we step into the quantum realm or at least have assistance from the, from this field of intelligence. And on the last day, he, he was very surprised to be telling us this because he gets stories from his team they they notify him of people who have had success with his teachings, mm-hmm. whether it's at a, an event or outside of the event. And someone had regrown their thyroid, and he was like, uh, "Come again? What?" Yeah, because <laughs> he's he he keeps on surprising himself at what what is possible. So they'd had graves, they destroyed the thyroid, which is what they do in Western medicine: radiation. Um, Yes, they irradiate the thyroid. There's a few options, but they basically destroy your thyroid and then put you on hormonal medication for the rest of your life. Right. You go to the functional medicine route, and then they'll get to the cause, heal the gut, so your thyroid rebalances. Ultimately, I'm making it much simpler than it is, but ultimately, that's what they do. And um, yeah, this 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 person had regrown their thyroid through the power of meditation, tapping into the field. And wow. I, you know, back in 2017, I, I became aware of people completely recovering from very damaged strokes, um, where the part of the brain is deteriorated after a bleed. So there's lots possible, to, there's lots available to us. It's just that if, if all we do is follow one form of medicine, which is Western medicine, that's all we're going to ever learn. It's just one form of learning. There's many other approaches to medicine 
many of which existed prior to 1910. They were eradicated. Now most people think Western medicine is the way, but it's just a way. And the moment you step into the holistic health and healing space, this whole avenue, uh, this whole plethora of opportunity opens up for radical remissions of all kinds of illnesses. That's what that's my passion is just researching and discovering what's available to people and hearing people's stories to empower others to do the same thing. But yeah, organs are are designed to rebuild. Wow. Well, I don't know how much you know about my personal story, but uh, the the story is that I and I, I say the story in quotes, but the story is that my mom had germ measles during first trimester of pregnancy and rendered me with several uh, complications uh, congenitally. So I was supposedly born with congenital rubella, which rendered me with a cataract in one eye at birth. I have a microthalmic eye. I'm blind now in that eye because I developed glaucoma, which I still have. And so that compromised lots of the optic nerve. I'm hearing impaired, pretty significantly hearing impaired. I actually didn't get hearing aids until I was almost six years old because I learned how to speak by reading lips. But I still wow. wear hearing. Yeah, thank you. So I still wear hearing aids today. Um, but, you know, I, I have a pretty significant loss. I was born with fine graphic motor impairment, asymmetrical bone development, hypotonic limbs. So the, like, the muscles right. didn't develop. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there was several, several complications, but the, but the big, I had heart surgery when I was a year old as well. So, but the big ones it. are definitely the visual and the hearing impairment. Those are the ones that are still kind of, um, I, I would say challenges that I deal with yeah. daily, you know, today to this day. So the idea wow. that there could be any kind of a, uh, regrowth of organs or, uh, regaining a function. And I say regaining because, uh, you know, this is in utero. So uh, theoretically, the uh, neural mapping was there at one point, I, I would imagine, or possibly not. Maybe it was stunted in development and never developed at all. I don't know. I, I don't have the answers to that. Uh, but to me, it seems like if, if the theory is that it was first trimester and there was some sort of an insult to uh, an interruption in the developmental pattern, and that is what... Uh, cause the interference. So, but that to me indicates that the, the mapping is there, you know, there's nobody else in my family who has these complications. So it's not a genetic, right. I think it was a interference by, you know, they're saying that it was a germ measles, but it was some sort of an interference in utero. So, yeah. So that's just fascinating okay. to me that there's any, if there would be any hope for that, any possibility, I mean, no. that would be like just miraculous essentially. Yeah. So, there's there's people who have spoken about things on that stage when they were absolutely gobsmacked with what they've done. They thought they had this. There, there was a guy who has mu muscle dystrophy and he couldn't walk properly. And he was he was on this camera and he was the, the happiest person you could think of in that moment. He I, was I, just, yeah, because he, he couldn't walk and, and he was. He was still struggling, you know, he needs a bit of help every now and again, but he's he's going every time to these events to immerse, him, immerse himself into this field of intelligence, which is guided so well by Joe Dispenza. I highly recommend that you go there. He's fantastic. Um, I, I'm familiar with his work, but I've never been to yeah. an event. Uh, you know, there's the, the, the quantum field, you know, there's there's evidence that goes back to ancient scriptures that teach us the same thing that he's teaching. So he's not teaching anything new. He's not like, hey, Joe, Joe Dispenza's got a new technology. He's, right. What he's doing so well at is A, teaching it so we can understand, but B, and providing the environment 
which is mm-hmm. amazing. He just takes you on a journey into the into the unknown, and better than most people I can think of. And and see, he's got data. He's got solid science and data, right. like real science. Right. About yeah, right, right. Body. <laughs> <laughs> Not the science, but actual scientific yeah. uh, conduct, uh, quote, unquote, conduct of science. studies. Yeah. Right. Yes. So real science that shows what happens in the body during meditation. And he says, he just says openly, you, you, you're all going to get a biological upgrade when you're here. How do I know that? Because we've been measuring it, you know, for years and years and years between day one and day seven, everyone gets a biological upgrade. Oh. Through immersing themselves into the quantum field, you get new information in the blood. He's got these scientists on stage, and they're pointing out all this new information in blood, like anti-cancer metabolites and lots of new genes and new DNA, and everything's th- sorry, not everything. There is new stuff there in the blood that wasn't there before. <laughs> new information. And Joe Dispenza is like playing around with the scientists. He said, Can you just kind of can you just tell the audience what you've just said here again? Are, are you seeing new information? Yes, I confirm it's there. Can you tell us where this new information in the blood is coming from? Mm-hmm. And the scientist was kind of joking. He's like, well, apparently from focusing on nothing. So <laughs> immersing oneself into the quantum field where we are downloading the intelligence all the time, if we want to be, well, actually all the time, but there's ways of really opening up these pathways mm-hmm. to upgrade the DNA, upgrade the genes, upgrade your whole biology. <clears throat> so he's got the data that shows it. And there's no, there's almost no, there's almost no condition that's not being solved with these teachings. And again, it goes back to lost or suppressed spiritual teachings. So I've traced this back to when the Bible was edited and the gospel of Mary, the gospel of Thomas was taken out among many others. And, very empowering things were taken out and disempowering information was put in. So it's not wow. new. The body is phenomenal. Sorry? Uh, the, the, I, was, I was just saying this stuff isn't new. The body is phenomenal. Right. Oh, I, don't, I, yeah. I don't want to put any kind of, I don't want to put any false hope in, in you, of course, but I do sure. think there's a lot of hope for reversal of many of these things. I think there's always hope and uh, that would that would yeah. be incredible. I mean, I, I'm definitely, I'm open. So, I mean, I'd be yeah. willing to explore, but I, okay. So I want to talk about these, uh, these techniques and you, you're saying they essentially come from the ancient, ancient texts. So I want to dive a little bit into that and then we'll go into the Flexner report and Rockefeller 1910, because okay. you brought up 1910 several times. So I know you're probably re- alluding to the Flexner report uh, where, uh, Rockefeller funded the you know pharmaceuticals. Pardon? Yeah. You know your stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned 1910 and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm guessing. Yeah. Where he uh, funded all the, because uh, he had the uh, monopoly on uh, the petroleum. So he wanted to fund the petropharmaceuticals and to defund the naturopathic uh, medicine in yeah. favor of allopathic and pharmaceutical licensing and schooling. So we'll we'll, yeah. we'll go dive into that because uh, it sounds yeah. like you've written quite a bit about it and you're very versed. So yeah. we'll do that. <laughs> awesome. But okay. before we get there, let's go back in time because I think people don't know much about the ancient texts and ancient medicine and the wisdom that could possibly be gleaned from that. So could you tell us? Yeah. Um, how do I start the background? I'm, <laughs> I like to investigate things. <clears throat> I'm just a curious person. 
Only you know, when I when I started helping people reverse illness without any medical qualifications, I was like, how can someone like me without any medical qualification mm-hmm. get people off drugs? I'm not taking them off the drugs. Their doctor's taking them off the drugs, by the way. I don't do that. Right. But mm-hmm. helping them to heal themselves. Sure. Why why isn't the helping them to heal themselves so they don't need the drugs and then the doctors do the right. actual prescription or de-prescribing? Yeah. yeah. So that's what caused me to go down the rabbit hole of investigating the origins of Western medicine. But a similar thing happened around the quantum realm because for the last four or five years, I've been researching the likes of Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton, Greg Braden, and Greg Braden's been bringing these the indigenous teachings over to the Western world and all these ancient teachings from the Tibetan monks. And he's done a brilliant uh, job of bringing that knowledge into our uh, modern Western realm of teachings. And um, seeing all these spiritual teachings, whether it's, doesn't really matter who the teacher is. There's many teachings that all say the same thing. And they Mm -hmm. all say the feeling is the prayer. They're all saying the same thing. And when you meditate, you let go of resistance and you let the divine force to come through life, divine force, whatever you want to life force. Um, connecting to the field, connecting to the quantum field. There's lots of different terms. Ultimately, they're saying the same thing, that we can heal the body through thought and by tapping into meditation or by meditating. So why isn't the world doing it? (laughs) That's the question. I'm going to see it's so obvious and I'm seeing it. People are reversing multiple brain tumors in days. Why why isn't everyone doing that? Greg Braden did this video in... Um, 20, I think it's 2007 in Milan. And he did this talk and he, he made reference to a video of a woman healing bladder cancer in three minutes. Have you seen this video? No. So this woman had bladder cancer. She had done all the allopathic stuff and getting nowhere. She was told she had an operable cancer. And she went to a medicineless hospital in China where she was trained prior to attending all around her beliefs and her thoughts. She had to be primed and trained to unlearn everything she had learned, reinstall new software, to undergo the quote-unquote treatment, which is three minutes of ultimately a... You, you just see on the video, the doctors and nurses chanting. And what they're chanting translates to already healed, already healed, already healed, already healed. And they're saying it over and over and over, over again for three minutes. And you can see a side-by-side Im- side by side image. Um, what's it called? The imagery um, ultrasound, I think. And you can see the, the two side-by-side. One's a fixed now, and the other one is or, or at the time of um, starting. And then one was the real time. And you can see this bladder uh, tumor just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking into just nothing. And in that same presentation, he talked about the Gospel of Thomas. So everything is around um, the feeling is the prayer. We must um, live as if we are already healed. That's the teachings that go back to the Gospel of Thomas. And it's also similar things are spoken about in the Gospel of Mary. I found myself on a Mary Magdalene pilgrimage very unexpectedly, very serendipitously in (laughs) September this year and going around all these sites about where she landed and transpires that she was a pretty phenomenal woman and she wasn't a prostitute as originally claimed by the catholic church <laughs> and by the way i was a brought up a christian but i didn't stick i didn't stick with that 
teachings, uh, those teachings, something felt off about it, but I couldn't put a finger on it for many, many years. But in my late teenage years, I went to university and I didn't really stick to church. But there was, there was something that was always within me to stay open. And I was always understanding. I felt that there was way more to us than these separated intelligent meat robots. I thought there was way more. And I, when I was a kid, I was always convinced I had magical powers and superhuman powers. And I used to think I had Jesus-like powers. I shared this with a friend of mine a few years ago who's in the same kind of realm of uh, experience and, well, um, research and uh, being inquisitive and just learning all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I shared him with him the, the point about me thinking I used to have Jesus-like powers <laughs> and thinking I'd never share that with anyone else. Then I've started to share it with people. But I used to, I just thought, if he can do it, why can't I do it? Is he like the only guy? Like, really? That that didn't seem true to me. And then I discovered all these teachings, which aren't in the Bible, about how he was teaching other people to do the same things as he was doing. He's like, you can all do this. Wow. So um, I soon enough discovered that these I, teachings... I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I just want to... Where did you find these other... You said they're not in the Bible. Where did you find those... Uh, text saying that he was teaching others um god there's no there's no fixed one frame of reference it's like lots of other different sources but okay. the main the main gospels i'm going to reference now are the gospel of thomas mm-hmm. and the gospel of mary magdalene mm-hmm. and there's there's scholars religious scholars um oh my goodness what's the correct word for them um theolo- the- theologians 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 or the- thank you yeah. thank you mm-hmm. But yeah, so that they're studying um, that, and there's lots and lots of texts that have been found. That well, there's the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in 1946, I believe, and they found about 46 books have been edited heavily, heavily edited or removed. Um, You know, there's no books written by women in the Bible. There were women in biblical times. It, they did exist. <laughs> but right? they were, they, I would imagine right? Mary, yeah, I believe, was a woman, uh, right? Exactly. Yeah. And she was also <laughs> taken out. So um, there's just lots of interesting stuff that resonated with me. As soon as I started reading it, I was like, this makes sense to me now. This resonates. A lot of the stuff in the, what I had been brought up with didn't resonate. So I started tuning into my own innate intelligence. Mm-hmm. I learned recently gnosis means innate uh sorry inner knowing so mm-hmm. we have this inner knowing that comes from the heart intelligence we have the head brain heart brain gut brain and then other intelligences around the body but you know three main brains we have an intelligence within us that we can tap into at any time why aren't we all doing it and it goes back thousands of years around 325 ad when emperor constantine apparently at the council of nicaea heavily edited the Bible because he was in a position where he had to decide who was going to know what, what the people were going to know and what sh- what they weren't going to know. Right. And then I started realizing that the calendar has been altered and um, the power that we have in our bodies and all the metaphors in the Bible compared with the, the human body, lots of metaphors. Are, I didn't realize quite how many there were. So um, all of these just started becoming apparent during my research over many years and now i'm thinking this is exciting because modern day teachings are proven lost or suppressed teachings like modern science data is actually showing what the ancient texts would describe in 
whatever wordage they would use, which I think is pretty amazing. Like we know that we're internet, interconnected. A principle of oneness, of, of spirituality is oneness. We are all one. We now through know through quantum physics that we are literally all interconnected. Quantum entanglement quite literally is connecting us all. Right. So that's how I was experiencing remote energy healing when I was in 2007 after an ayahuasca ceremony. The healer was healing my knee for a friend of mine in London. I was a surrogate for my friend in London. And all these things started to open up the moment I turned away from the mainstream way of doing things, I guess you could say, or limited at least. Right. Right. I, I tend to be careful with describing us as all being one uh, because I think that strips individuality. And I do think that we we are, there is a, a reality to us as individuals. I, I don't think that oh, that's yeah. a false concept, but I think we, but we, as you said, we're all interconnected. I think that's pretty hard to deny. And I think we're yeah. seeing that more and more. And, and certainly at the quantum level, you know, that seems to prove that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I once heard that the illusion of separation is what creates all suffering. Hmm. Who said that? I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay if you don't know. I can't yeah. remember the name now. But, but that's all right. It made no. sense. It was, it was actually a course on, um, it was actually a course on trauma release I was doing, and I can't remember the name of the guy now. Wow. Yeah, I think that work is actually fascinating on uh, trauma and how that uh, leads to disease you know, literally meaning like dis-ease and so much of what we see as physical manifestation of illness uh, stems from trauma. You know, there's a great book that I, I refer to it all the time that the body keeps the score. And yes. that I think provides very, very compelling evidence for this argument that a lot of trauma, a lot of disease that we see physiologically or even, uh, you know, some uh, psychiatric, uh, psychological uh, manifestation of illness is stems from trauma that gets stored and 100 percent. yeah i'm glad that you brought that book up uh one of my favorite phrases is the organs weep the tears the eyes never shed william osler father of modern medicine um so i used when i was first told that trauma is the cause of illness i used to think it was woo woo I just I couldn't connect how emotions could link with physical dis-ease. Mm -hmm. And I actually attended the Truth About Cancer Live Symposium in Texas in 2016. And I was researching at that time cancer because I'd lost three friends to cancer in the space of a year. And like my dad, I had this inner knowing that they didn't have to die. And I was convinced that the mainstream narrative on cancer was just false. And that's pretty much what I found out. Well, not yeah. pretty much. That's what I found out. Totally. So um, at this, at the event, there were a number of talks on emotions leading to cancer. And even at that point, I wasn't at the right frequency to hear it because it didn't go in. It just didn't sink in. I thought there's something to it, but I thought it was a little bit, um, a little bit woo-woo. I just shrugged it off because I was more interested in physical, physical toxins causing cancer and I also thoughts and, you know, chronic stress that most people can relate to that and likely toxins or, you know, terrible diet, inflammatory diet, et cetera. Anyway, I wasn't, I wasn't really, I couldn't understand how trauma could cause illness. And it wasn't until I discovered the physics of emotions and I discovered the body electric 
through something else that happened to me for me in 2017. And I, I started following people in the body electric space. And one person particularly caught my attention. And he described emotions as electromagnetic bundles of energy, which are stored in the body when we experience traumas in our lives. And this doesn't have to be a crazy, severe trauma. Mm -hmm. um, it could be as small as a, an argument with a sibling or parent when you're mm -hmm. five years old. Mm -hmm. And something that throws us out of alignment, basically, it jolts us. It's it's something that, so yeah, it takes us off guard and right. it, it, it leaves that energetic imprint. And it's we are energy beings at the quantum level. We are energy. We are 99.99 empty space and 0 0.001 matter. We're mostly energy when we zoom in enough with a with a, a with a, a magnifying glass. <laughs> with, mm -hmm. When we zoom in enough using a very impressive microscope. So um, when we think of us as energy beings and we think of emotions and trapped emotions and trauma, it makes sense that this could happen. And we could store these, these bundles of energy in our organs. We can store them in our joints, in our lower back, in our heads for migraines. And I've helped people get rid of pains very quickly through releasing trauma without doing any talk therapy but by releasing it somatically, when you, you use applied kinesiology to find out the names of the emotions, when they were stored, where they were stored, if it was in this lifetime, in an ancestral previous lifetime, I'll make reference to, you know, I always like to give credit where it's due. Dr. Bradley Nelson is the author of The Emotion Code, and it's been a game changer for me and for my clients. I use this with my clients, and um, I'm glad I'm writing that down because it's a mm -hmm. good one. And um, there's many there's many ways to release trapped emotions and trauma. I just love the way he explains it. And he's also in a book, um, sorry, a documentary called E-Motion. It's on Gaia. In fact, it might even be on YouTube, but he is featured in that documentary. And he talks about how anyone can release their traumas. And in fact, he does it with animals. <laughs> so um, there's... Thousands of people trained up in this now all over the world. In fact, I live next door to a healer in Mexico, and she's been helping people release trauma for 20 years. She's wow. far more experienced than I am. And I introduced to her the, the emotion code, and she's been forever grateful because it's just streamlined the whole thing for her because it just used to take much longer. Now it's much quicker. I, I've just said the same thing in the, two different ways. So, um, yeah, she's loving that process. And when we all understand that, we don't have to go and do talk therapy. We can mm -hmm. release the energy attached to emotion, sorry, the energy attached to memories, because once, this is a Joe Dispenza saying, once a memory doesn't have the emotional charge, it becomes wisdom, and therefore it doesn't trigger us anymore. Most addictions and problems with relationships and finances and whatever else is really rooted in trauma. Mm -hmm. So we, we can stop being addicted to things negative things if we get to the cause of the addictions right. I, I say negative things you, you, i'm talking likely sub um suspects like al alcohol yeah. and drugs sure it's symptom symptomatic of trauma so oh. if we can alleviate the body of the trauma we no longer need to become dependent on things to distract us and numb us yeah absolutely i i love that you said it doesn't have to be 
you know, something uh, such a significant experience in order for mm. it to have a traumatic result for a person. Yeah. They did an interesting study with twins where uh, both twins experienced the same exact uh, incident, you know, whatever it was that happened mm. to them. They experienced the exact same thing, but one was traumatized by it and the other was not. So it's really about how our emotional response to the occurrence, not so much the occurrence itself. And uh, Wow. That twin yeah. example is interesting. That shows quantum entanglement again. When twins are separated, they remain connected. Yeah. Um, well, in yeah. this case, uh, the, the studies they did were with twins who they were together. They had both gone through the same experience, but one oh, was I traumatized see. by it and the other was not. Oh, sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so one would yeah. be, so it, was, it, it what it shows is that trauma isn't about what happened. You know, so people talk about traumatic events and they often talk about, uh, and this is not to, you know, say that abuses shouldn't happen, you know, uh, but people often point to a specific event such as abuse or such as something that is, you know, very uh, monumental and significant and you know that caused the trauma, but the reality is that what causes the trauma, if, uh, based on you know some of these studies, it looks more like our response to it is what causes yeah. the trauma. So one person could have a traumatic response to an event, and the other person could have the exact same event, and that's why it was so fascinating with twins. They both went through the exact same event, but one was traumatized by it, the other wasn't. The other one, you know, let it roll off. What age were they at? When they had, when they in the studies, around. I don't recall what they what age they were at because it was several different, uh, you know, several different sets of twins that they did this yeah. with. Uh, so I don't know if it was age specific. I would have to go back and look at the study. Yeah. The reason I ask is I suspect that the mm -hmm. the one that was reactive mm -hmm. had unresolved trauma with the same kind of frequency of whatever they were re-experiencing or experiencing. Right. Because I, I think, you know, you spot on when you say it's how we react to, mm -hmm. to events. It's our perception. Right. So I always use the traffic jam example. Mm -hmm. You know, two people could face, first of all, my definition of stress, my favorite definition of stress I came across is stress is our internal response to external strains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's our perception of our world. Sure. It's not the events themselves. And if we use a traffic jam example, for example, you could be on your way to work, everything's smooth, and then you're met with this unexpected traffic jam. Two right. people can react entirely different from exactly the same circumstance. Mm -hmm. So one could just be remain relaxed and listen to music, listen to podcast, your one, and just remain calm. Right. And another one can be in exactly the same event and they will be swearing, weaving in and out of traffic, causing road rage, maybe even cause an accident, and right. you know, virtually screaming at other drivers, and you can see the veins popping out of their necks and foreheads. You know what's happening to their biology. You know their blood pressure's through the roof. Right. You know they've got fight or flight response dial. You know it's kicked right in, so they can escape that saber toothed tiger. And we know that chronic living by the chronic emotions of stress, or rather living by the emotions of stress chronically is what degrades the mm -hmm. immune system. It causes illness and dis-ease. So that's just a similar example to what you just said, yeah. um, in that two people can re react very differently to the same thing. And what I was going to say was the person who's reactive is, I would say, someone who has lots of unresolved or, or just unresolved trauma. Mm -hmm. 
Right. PTSD, you know, we, we often know that people who have been through horrific events in their lives, sure. they have PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Right. And um all right, yeah. And they they it's not until they start resolving the trauma where they start to become more at ease. Mm-hmm. And it's often the case that they can be very reactive to events because right. of what's led to that. Sure. So I think once we peel back the layers of the onion, we can start to release this trauma that can go back to your being in the womb or even before ancestral times. Mm-hmm. I've released trauma from my lineages, from both parents. Um, I've, I've done a lot of work around this. Yeah. That's so, so fascinating because, uh, you know, I think a lot of people really had a hard time uh, acknowledging that that was even possible, but they're showing that uh, there is intergenerational trauma and there there are lots of uh, now more heart science kind of experiments that have been done that do indicate that that is very real and that DNA can actually be changed as a result uh, through intergenerational trauma. So. Yeah, and that's also epigenetics, as we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, because it triggers the expression of the gene, and then that gets passed on uh, through yeah. future generations. Yeah, I think that's really, really fascinating. So to be able to reverse that or to interfere, uh, to turn on, mm-hmm. turn off the manifestation of various uh, genetics and trauma that may have yeah. been stored. Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. The other thing you said I think is really interesting and worth uh of discussing a little bit is this notion that it doesn't have to be through talk therapy. I, 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 I'll qualify this by saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying talk therapy is bad or that it's never helped anybody, but I do think sometimes the process of talk therapy can actually re-traumatize people mm-hmm. and it does not, it does more harm than it does good or it stunts, stunts people's healing because they're kind of stuck. They're re-looping. Right. Uh, you know, so they're and they're actually strengthening those uh, neural pathways. Yeah. Whereas before they may have been more suppressed if it's not at the forefront. Um, I'm not saying that people should bury things, but I do think that there is an element of where talk therapy does more harm than good in reference to trauma. And sometimes you can in many cases that uh, you can release without discussing it at all or even being aware of what the trauma specifically was. Yeah. You remind me of the famous quote in neuroscience that says nerve cells that fire together wire together mm-hmm. hey. ne- neurons that fire together wire together so the, just like you're saying the more the more you recite a memory the more those neural connections strengthen and the very thing you don't want to give energy to expands so it ends up being counterproductive right yeah Joe Dispenza talks about this all the time, actually. Nerve cells fire together, wire together. Yeah. So, um, and it's also a term in neuroscience, as I mentioned. So not just him. So if if we can release the energy attached to memories, that's where the magic is. Because we are energy beings. And just like you said earlier, people can spend years doing talk therapy, strengthening these memories, and it becomes more and more impactful and more... I mean, the memories become more impactful right? in a negative way when you really want to eradicate the energy attached to these memories. Right. And, and just like you're saying, I don't, I don't want to completely discount talk therapy as well because I'm sure everything has its place. Mm-hmm. I just think it's worth being mindful that 
it can be counterproductive. And a lot of people are, when people hear about trauma and having to deal with it, a lot mm-hmm. of people immediately get fearful about it because they think, oh, I'm going to have to go and talk about it. And the first thing mm-hmm. I say is, you don't have to talk about it at all. Yeah, <laughs> You can release the energy without doing any talk therapy whatsoever. There's many modalities. I've mentioned one of them. But there's there's other things you can do. There's psychedelics have been shown to mm. be wildly successful with this. Yeah. Uh, psilocybin, ayahuasca, iboga. I do um, think that there is a major push. So I'm a little skeptical with that because, uh, you know, they, they put the plant, quote unquote, plant medicine uh, research into our defense bill. And the joke I keep making is what, what, what are they going to do? They're going to like microdose themselves so happy that we don't need to have war anymore. Um, we're just going to have mm. peace because people, right? Like, why are they in the defense bill? So there, there does seem to be a major that. agenda and push for uh, psychedelics and the psychedelic research and the uh, the trend, you know, it's in fashion right now. It's in furniture, like mushroom furniture. Uh, and it to me, it's very reminiscent of the uh, 60s drug culture that was uh, – really infiltrated by or in many ways created by the CIA uh, and it was part of uh, like the MK Ultra experiments with some of those hallucinogen medicines and the, the famous one was certainly LSD and the Grateful Dead to create the counterculture. So I see a lot of similarities there and I do think that there's something going on there Um you know, I can go through the many different facets of that, but I do think something's going on there. Now, all that just to say that does not uh, that does not negate the potential that they have for healing people, uh, certainly in uh, this space, especially of trauma and helping people to transcend. I think anything that's super powerful can has, is a double edged sword, right? They can be used for for tremendous good and light, and it could also be used for dark and, you know. So true. Desirable. So true. Yeah. So I just yeah. think it's something people should be cognizant of yeah. because it's so powerful. Be careful. I think a lot of people get overly excited because it's fun and it's it's sexy, essentially. You know, a lot of people think of psychedelics as like this fun yeah. kind of a enticing thing to do and to get excited about that as a medical, uh, you know, potential for healing. But I think that when considering something like that, People shouldn't just rush to go to anybody because there's a lot of people in the, you know, allopathic pharmaceutical space that are very excited about uh, there are lots of, you know, there's a lot of programs that are cropping up in this field. And as we know from the past, you know, programs lead to indoctrination and uh, they become gatekeepers, essentially. So they become gatekeepers for a specific kind of agenda or business model and so all, all I'm saying is that I think people really need to tap inward if this is something that they're going, I can't tell people what, you know, is going to work for them. And I'm not saying that it couldn't have tremendous uh, benefits. It could, but I think people need to not look outward when they're tapping into something that could be that powerful. They yep. need to be really, really uh, mindful and uh, essentially, uh, you know, guide their whatever inner spirit, you know, whatever resonates for them, but to really look inward when making those kinds of decisions. Yes. I'm really glad you mentioned that actually. And, and there's also the point about who you're sitting with, where it's from mm-hmm. quality. Sure. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the pharmaceutical industry starts synthesizing all of this. And then they, they already have with, there's already yeah. patents on several. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's just not the same, you know. It's indigenous medicine is 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 very sacred. And people have been into the jungles and got trained. And you know, I've been very fortunate with the circles of ayahuasca I've sat in. I can't say everyone was trained in the jungle, but there it's always been a, an incredible container. Mm-hmm. And the the way it's guided is super important. Mm-hmm. And I can see it going wrong quite easily. So um it, it comes with risks for right. sure. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely worth being mindful. And not everyone's called to it anyway. Mm-hmm. It took me many years. Well, yeah. two. <laughs> Between finding out about it. <laughs> two two very it. long intense years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two very long years. Yeah. It went like that. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> it was yeah, it wasn't a quick decision for me. Yes. And and it sh- I don't think it should it shouldn't be for be. No, yeah. it shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I just yeah. wanted to make that caveat because I do see that there's a major push for it and it's becoming very trendy. I'm seeing a lot of the big influencers talk about it. It's It, it does just remind me of kind of the 60s era uh, of the drug culture. So I feel like there is some sort of a, a push behind it, a machine behind it. So, you know, yeah. anytime you see that, I think that people need to be cautious. Again, that doesn't mean that it can't help people and that have done the right way for the right person. It could be incredibly beneficial. Uh, you know, that's true for, I think, almost anything, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I was going to say, just give one example from one of my circles because I yeah. literally just came to me. A yeah. woman had had fibromyalgia for two decades in one of my circles. Okay. I sat, I sat, a few years ago, and she she was in her mid sixties. Oh, sorry, early sixties, mm. and she could not believe that three set- sittings of ayahuasca got rid of all of her symptoms. Wow! Two two decades, twenty years. Wow! Really severe fibromyalgia. Right. So the ayahuasca helps to rewire the. Well, it does a number of things, but one of them is to address the trauma. So That's other awesome. people have been using it as a part of the cancer healing protocol, because a lot of cancer healing is around getting to the trauma and resolving it. And um, they were, they were using that medicine to help them with that. Mm-hmm. It's often not the only thing that people do, but it's part of it. Sure. Can be. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Part of a, a bigger uh, journey. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, yeah. that makes sense. Well, I would like to, so since we're talking about trauma, I think that uh, it's worth noting that the Rockefellers were very much behind the funding of a lot of trauma-based mind control, which would, I think, I think it's relevant in this conversation. It it would seem that if uh, they want to control the masses through some sort of a trauma-based protocol, then it would be beneficial to them not to point people, steer people in the direction of recognizing that a lot of their illness may stem from trauma and that they could heal their trauma, but rather they would want to steer them in a direction of uh, giving them drugs, drugs, which they can profit off of as well. (laughs) Yes. And what an industry they've created. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, again, I, I, I'm just saying that's what it looks like. You know, if just if you connect some of the dots, it's kind of what seems like going on. But but yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? And maybe we can dive into some of the history of how it's changed the field of medicine. Yeah. I mean, my thoughts on what you just said, mm-hmm. um, 
it's something I've, I've not given a huge amount of thought okay. to, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, and uh, I'm definitely open to that possibility. Um, it's, yeah, as far as the creation of the modern Western medical community industry, I've that's where I've done quite a bit of research. Yeah, yeah. I touched on it earlier. We both touched on it earlier. Um, mm-hmm. This blew my mind. I It was initially... It was watching the truth about cancer. Like some, uh, no, the nine-part documentary series. And the number one, they spent two hours longer talking about the history. And then I thought, thought right, I'm going to do my own research now because often I watch a documentary, then I go and look at the books. Right. <clears throat> and it made me jump out of my seat. I, it was like pieces. There's been a number of epiphanies I've had during my t- 10 years in holistic health. One of them is every illness is rooted in, has a root cause. It, and get to the cause, you can heal your body. That's like major epiphany. Oh, look, the body's Say not- that again? I don't think I caught that. Say that again? I said every illness has an underlying cause. So every right. chronic illness is symptomatic of an underlying cause or one or right. two or three, whatever. And I shouldn't say whatever. I mean, it's mm-hmm. symptomatic of an underlying cause. doesn't really matter what the name of it is. Right, right. Cause. So when you get to the cause and replenish the body, you can essentially heal the body. I'm making it a lot simpler than it often is, but it's sure. about the environment and that's how we can heal ourselves. Right. Another epiphany I had was, and oh, and chronic inflammation is the underlying cause of every chronic illness or most. Right. And then another epiphany was the cause of, or the root cause, if you will, of the medical industry. So there was one time when I was at the doctor's, I think I was about 15 years old. I went to the doctor and I had this eczema flare up. It was all over my face, my neck, my arms, everywhere. And it was infected. It just looked nasty. And the doctor examined me and he went back and sat at his computer and he just looked over to me and he said, are you allergic to penicillin? And I said, I don't think so. I said antibiotic. He said, okay, I'm going to get you some of that. And he said, do you want some more Betnovate? And I was like, that's a steroid cream. I was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. And he was just doing exactly the same protocol. Right. And I was just sat there thinking, is he just comparing a drug name with my illness or with my symptom? What, what, what's he doing? Something's not adding up here. <laughs> I was 15 and I remember going to the pharmacy with the prescription in my hand, walking slowly Going, what is going on? He was literally comparing me with a drug name. Something doesn't add up here. So 20 years later, <laughs> I was watching <laughs> The Truth About Cancer when I was investigating my friends who three friends had died from cancer in the space of a year. Mm-hmm. I hazard a guess they died from the treatment, not the cancer itself, from stuff that I found out. And then they spent two hours talking about the the root cause of the the origins of Western medicine and how it became a monopoly. And I I remember just almost coming off my chair, going, "Whoa, this makes so much sense." That's why I had that feeling when I was fifteen years old. That's why I've had this inner knowing, this gnosis mm-hmm. in me the whole time, going, "Something's not adding up here." Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, you know, I found out about the, the roles of the Carnegie and Rockefeller Foundations, how they'd commissioned the Flexner Report of 1910, and it was preordained, which meant they knew what the outcome was going to be. And what that did was it eradicated all competition for pe- petrochemical medical education, meaning it got rid of all competition to the drug-oriented 
medical training that they were starting to provide. So they eradicated all natural medicine. Prior to 1910, many different approaches to medicine, naturopathic, chiropractic, various herbal, eclectic type medicines, natural medicines, which would all help the body to heal itself. Everything was about stimulating the body's own healing abilities. These phenomenal bodies that we have. Connecting to nature. Nature never fails us. (laughs) She's always winning. Always. Always. And I think ultimately that's, that my everything always goes back to that get back to nature get back to nature get back to nature and um yes so they they eradicated all these natural medicines and over the next 40 years between 1910 and 1950 they were pouring hundreds of millions of dollars the carnegie and rockefeller foundations foundations posing as philanthropists they were pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into these medical schools throughout the us and donors from the pharmaceutical from the uh, Carnegie and Rockefeller Foundations would sit on the boards of medical schools or the directors of medical schools and kind of steer the medical tuition, talk to doctors to make it biased towards drug prescription drug therapy. So over the course of 40 years, all these natural natural approaches to medicine were just eradicated. And by 1950, if a doctor graduated without a Flexner-approved MD medical degree, he or she wouldn't get a job anywhere, and it's remained the same ever since. So for 112 years now, almost 113 years, we've been living a life as a product in the, in the medical space or health space, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, thinking is derived from this event that happened in 1910. So I was I would argue that most medical professionals don't aren't aware of the origins of their training. And it's not until they have their own wake-up call when they start to study other other forms of medicine or they have their own illness that they can't get rid of. And I've said the same thing, that that leads to a wake-up call. So I I mentioned Dr. Amy Myers earlier with the thyroid. And did Mm -hmm. I mention, I had an interview just before this. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, Uh, no worries. I I know how Um, that goes. I know that well. (laughs) You mentioned the thyroid uh, uh, at Joe Dispenza's event. I don't know that you mentioned yes, Amy so, name. Yeah. I, I brought her up because she's she's an example of someone who followed the conventional medical route. Right. She got uh, Graves' disease, overactive thyroid, and they irradiated her thyroid. They destroyed her nice. thyroid and put her on hormonal medication, which she'll be on for the rest of her life. Unless she goes and sits at a Joe Dispenza event and regrows her thyroid. So maybe I should write to her and tell her that. Anyway. Yeah. So she retrained in functional medicine, mm-hmm. and then she realized that she didn't have to irradiate her thyroid. All she had to do was heal her gut, which is where autoimmune diseases are rooted. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter which one it is. Most of them are rooted in leaky gut, or at least that's an underlying cause. Isn't of... that what Hippocrates said? That all disease right. starts in the gut? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. So... And then, of course, you have to find out why you have leaky gut. But ultimately, right. you want to heal the gut. And that's what she helps people doing. She, she's done this for many years. She's helped thousands of people um, balance from thyroid autoimmune conditions, but really any autoimmune condition. And the principles that I've seen across the board are very, very similar across all of them. Mm. So I bring her in because we're talking about the origins of Western medicine. Yeah. she was, And I, I followed doctors who followed 
These are the ones I, I give a lot of attention to. They were conventionally mm -hmm. trained and then they retrained. They're right. the ones I love to listen to because they've they've had that. Something has caused an inflection point in their life, some kind of an awakening. Right. And they have a lot of wisdom to share. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So if we if we know these teachings, then it stands to reason that we go, okay, if my car's broken down and let's say the oil light comes on, I'm going to take it to a mechanic so they change the oil. Sorry. So, yeah, so they change the oil. They fix it at the root cause. I'm not going to take my car to an electrician so they can stop the light flashing. Right. I'm, I want to get it treated at the cause. I want the yeah. mechanic to fix it at the root cause. So these light, I, I talk about the body's symptoms like warning lights in your car. If yeah. whatever comes on, we want to fix the cause. We don't just want to stop the light flashing. Right. Right. So Western medicine is phenomenal in emergencies. It yeah. can, it's virtually unbeatable. It's amazing for getting you out of pain, open well, heart surgery. it stems surgery. from triage medicine, so that that's why. And that is right. emergency, right? Triage, right. So yes. you're, you're familiar, right? Yes. So just for the true. audience, if they're so not true. familiar, yes. this, this comes from wartime when you had the soldiers who were injured or uh, somehow – uh, afflicted and they would do triage medicine, which was emergency medicine, essentially to patch them up so they could get back out on the field and continue the fight. So that that's triage medicine. And that is where a lot of our allopathic medicine stems from. And that's why it is. It's great for emergencies because that's, that's what it was designed to do. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. So true. <laughs> and interesting as well during the wars, that's um, mustard gas, do you know, do you know where chemotherapy? Yeah, you know, chemotherapy yeah. is derived from mustard gas. So it was it's highly toxic. And yes, it can get rid of tumors, but at the same time, what's it doing to every other cell in your body? Exactly. I always say that. I'm like, if it's killing the tumor cell, what do you think it's doing yeah. to the rest of your body? You know, cyanide yeah. can kill can cancer cells too. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my my mother did go through cancer and she she went through that treatment. And she was one of the lucky survivors. She's been around and she's still around 25 years later. Nice. She's one of the few. Statistically, that is, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And during the same time she had breast cancer, she lost two friends to cancer at the same time wow. with, the, with the same treatment. So, well, yes, it can be, it can work. So we mm -hmm. can't deny that. I would just say that. Treating cancer without getting to the cause is absurd. I, I just cannot get my head around why we're still doing that in 2023. Well, I have a theory on that. I, it is a yeah. theory, um, okay. <laughs> but there seems to be a lot of evidence to support my theory. But I think that cancer is a very nice uh, shell for essentially uh, money laundering. I When you look at how much money goes into cancer research, cancer charities, uh, all of these cancer-surrounded organizations. Uh, and then you look at, and then of course, these government agencies, as well as these NGOs that claim to be doing all this cancer research, and they, by their own words, admit that more funding has gone towards cancer research than ever in history, and that the problem is increasing exponentially. So clearly, we don't have a lack of funding resources, but somehow the problem of cancer is exponentially growing and rising. So 
There seems yeah, to be a little bit of a disconnect there, but yet they keep saying they need more money. So it's to not, me, it looks it's like not, a great yeah. shell. <laughs> I've actually got a, I've got my, I think my next book is going to be on cancer Ooh, and I want to okay. completely flip it on its head. I've great, already got the title. Do. I've registered it. I'm not going to share it right now, Okay, <laughs> but um, I want to literally shift our consciousness around what it is. Great. Just I like think- you said, so it's like a, at the time of writing my last book, it's a $185 billion a year industry. Yes. In America. I, think, I think that was America alone. I think that was, I think that is America alone. Don't quote me on that yeah. audience. Yeah. We we can fact check that, but I think that is. Yeah. I mean, what's COVID now? A few hundred billion already. It's, 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 it's crazy how much money is made in. Illness. And we know that, you know, well, there, there's some shenanigans going on there. I mean, all you have to do is oh read God. Mr. Klaus Schwab and read it in his own words, and he pretty much admits it. So, I've not read that one. So that's one. Oh yeah, the COVID nineteen, the Great Reset, which by the way was a uh, uh, published in twenty nineteen. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure I can double check that as well. But it was at least written before the the outbreak, uh, the supposed outbreak of this pandemic. It was definitely written before then, and he tells us how we are going to learn all these lessons about how we can save the planet by this pandemic that's that breaks out. So I'm not really sure how he knew all the lessons that we would learn to save the planet, by the way, uh, not to prevent wow. future pandemics, but to save the planet because, you know, climate change is going to kill us all, that's supposedly. Uh, but we, we're going to learn these lessons from an outbreak of a pandemic that hasn't occurred yet when he's writing this book. So that's very intriguing. <laughs> Sounds reminiscent of event. Uh, oh my goodness. 201. 201. Yeah. Crimson. Yeah. Con- they're now doing event 202. There was Crimson Contagion, event 201. Uh, Modi SARS was in Germany. Uh, the SPARS uh, pandemic manual. So there, there were several of these simulations that were. And then, of course, there was Operation Lockstep, which would, seems quite uh, foreshadowing. And that was a, a Rockefeller. Hopkins document. It was part of the future scenarios for no future technologies for a scenarios for a technological future. I think that's what it was called, but it was like a hundred page, a hundred plus page document (laughs) and lockstep operation lockstep. This was written in 2010 and operation lockstep was uh, pages 19 to 26. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, and so there were a bunch of them, and now they're doing Catastrophic Contagion and Event 202. So they do seem to be uh, preparing some sort of, yeah, they seem to be preparing for something. Yeah, it's it's quite a rabbit hole. Yeah, and then remember when they kept talking about, uh, Biden kept saying dark winter, it's going to be a dark winter. If anybody remembers, in the 90s, Dark Winter was a uh, simulation exercise for smallpox. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they really like yeah. their simulations you, and live exercises. They do, don't they? And <laughs> they, they like just doing it in plain sight. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I hope we've had enough lessons in the last two and a half years to tell us who we can and cannot trust. And sure, I sure as hell, sorry, I, I, I sure, I surely do not trust m- most of the the organizations that many people still trust. Like I, none of the three letter organizations in America, I can trust anymore. Right. Um, anyway, I don't need to go into that, but it's 
I find it very difficult um, when there's so many conf conflicts of interest, so much money being spent, so much suppression and censorship and, and across the mainstream media. I mean, I stopped paying attention to that 10 years ago when I realized Good how agenda driven it was. Yeah, it just just started to become lies to me. I was watching the TV going, what lies are we being told today? Oh, I see now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I'm sorry. What were you saying? Yeah, sorry. I'll, yeah, you, you, uh, you go on. I was just going to say that uh, I, I often joke that whatever they tell us we should do, especially when it comes to matters of health, that we should just do the opposite. You know, like for example, yeah. right? Like the food pyramid, yeah. just invert it. Yeah. And then Flip that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Flip it upside yeah. down. That's yeah. Exactly. My general rule of thumb is if, if mainstream says do X, I do Y. And <laughs> that's how I stay healthy. And that's how everyone in my circles and communities and, and in the holistic health and healing circles, we all do the same thing. It's like... That they, the mainstream media is like, look at this, look at this hand, don't look at this hand, look at this hand, look at this, look at this one, not this one, and totally. it's distracting us all the time from really what's going on. Yes. So absolutely. I'm always looking for the story behind the story, and it's with the whole current thing. It became clear to me very early on. I want to say within the first few days that something was fishy was extremely obvious. <laughs> I, yeah. I felt that way too. I, I remember really early on, it was in the first maybe week or two. And one of my friends asked me, she's like, you don't seem afraid of this like at all. And yeah. I said, no, I'm not. And she said, why? I mean, people are dying, people are getting sick. And I'm not denying that, you know, people, uh, but this happens. People do. I mean, that's a tragic part of life. People do get sick yeah. and people do yeah. die. And I said, yeah, I don't know. I, I really can't explain it. It's just something seems off about it. If you turn on the TV, the way they're talking about it, this doesn't make sense. And that yeah. I, I, at the time, I really didn't know, you know, I just knew that it didn't add up. The, the media was in overdrive, overdrive and it, trying to connect things that just didn't make sense. I mean, that we should all be walking around with the mask. But meanwhile, we should all it, it was like the things that could be open and couldn't be open made no sense. Like the donut shops and liquor stores should be open, but gyms have to close. And, you know, we couldn't Confusion. go to. Any... Sorry. What? I was going to say confusion is part of the psyop. I think so too. Yeah, people were just completely it, it, baffled, and that definitely is part of the psyop. I agree. But yeah, we you know we can't we we can't go into small businesses where you're going to have less people congregating, but we should go into mega stores. Those all can stay open. You know, like yeah. the the big supermarket chains and all, where everybody's touching everything, and it's lots and lots of people. I mean, yeah. this is really a contagious kind of thing. Why can't we go to smaller business? I, it, it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Going into a restaurant, you know, sit, you have to wear a mask standing up. And when you sat down, you take it off. I mean, it's it's obvious that the virus doesn't spread when you're sat down. Well, <laughs> it's it, just, it, it's, I'm obviously heckling the whole situation. Every, everyone's been talking about these ridiculous things the whole time. And everyone, no matter quote unquote, what side you're on. Everyone's talking about it. Yes. I found it interesting understanding that the very conf the confusion itself is designed yes. to stop people using their own th critical thinking abilities. You're right. So that they, they just do whatever the, the hell they're told to do. Yes. So no, fear, confusion. Oh, okay. I'll just, I'll just do it anyway. They become stymied and then they just look for somebody to, to lead them. Yeah. And that's that's really what we saw. Yeah, I, I always say when when you talk about the going into the restaurant, I'm like I understand why it was a novel virus 
because this was the very first virus that had a GPS in it. So, you know, it knew when you were sitting, it knew when you were standing, it knew how far away you were from another person. It knew when it was 10 o'clock at night, you know, so. Very clever. It's very clever. This was a genius virus. Very very intelligent. Yes. Uh, Anyway, I'm joking, but I I think it's worth pointing out how ludicrous some of this was, you know, but people bought it hook, line and sinker. Like, oh, it's it's more contagious after 10 o'clock. Really? (laughs) <laughs> like why and on, and on aeroplanes you're wearing a mask and then you can take it off t- to eat what <laughs> Ev- everyone knows they don't work <laughs> and they they're still it sounds um polarizing when i say they um yeah it's it's interesting still being promulgated as a narrative yeah. that's what's disturbing and, and disconcerting yeah. and frustrating for sure yeah because it's there's a lot of revelations that have happened in the last couple of years that have proven those people calling the shots were just literally lying to us. And I hope people remember that when they roll out the next one. Me too. Me too. I really do. So what is it that you I, I you talked about meditation, you talked about quantum energy. I'm curious what people can do to take some sort of ownership. Another thing you mentioned was inflammation. Inflammation is kind of a big umbrella. You know, certainly I think I agree with you. I think it is the underlying root of a lot of illness is a, a chronic inflammation that's not managed, that is not addressed. But what can people do to uh, assess inf- inflammation, reduce inflammation, uh, get a handle on you know, different aspects of their health that could, so they don't lead to bigger problems. Yeah, I, and I love that last thing you just said, because I see symptoms of any kind of minor illness, if you like, like eczema, I consider kind of minor. I mm-hmm. Well, I had it in a minor way. Other people have it head to toe all, of, all, all over them. I had it in kind of less obvious places and when I could kind of hide it on my back or hide it in my, on my arms and neck. And it was the point I'm making is it, for me, it was a more minor symptom, but it's if we don't address minor symptoms, then something worse can happen down the road. Totally. So, the body creates symptoms depending on your genetic code. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. So it, for some people, inflammation will mean eczema. For someone else, it means asthma. For someone else, it means IBS. For someone else, it means diabetes. And it's there's different uh, severities, I guess, of different things. But if we don't treat the symptom initially, we're not addressing the warning sign. So yeah. the the symptoms are there to say, look, we need to take action body. The body needs to take action. The mind needs to take action because the body's, there's an alert, there's an alert here. Yeah. And if we just go and take a drug or take a steroid cream or an inhaler, we're, we're missing the, the warning light. And right. not only does the drug cause more harm, or let's say that again, the drug will make you think that your symptoms gone because the symptoms go, but the drugs always cause harm. There's not a single drug that doesn't come with side effects. That's across the board, not one. So they make you think that your symptoms gone because it has, Mm -hmm. but the actual cause has been left unaddressed. So that continues to worsen unnoticed. It's like a fire 
kind of building and building and building, but you don't know it's there because you're taking this drug, mitigating the effects of it. So this thing continues to worsen. And then guess what? Five years, 10 years down the line, something quote unquote out of the blue happens, cancer or heart disease, a stroke or something life altering because we've not listened to the symptom the first time it showed up. Right. So it's really, I see the body as an amazing, phenomenally powerful machine. Mm -hmm. It's so intelligent. When we listen to it, we can get clues. We can have an awakening. Mm -hmm. So many people who have had quote unquote incurable illnesses had some kind of major diagnosis of a cancer or heart disease or something. They've had a giant inflection point in their life and they've had some kind of spiritual awakening when they realize how much more powerful we are when we put this stuff behind us and we have this whole new way of life when we un understand us as energy beings and living a much more interesting life when we get to create with energy not mm -hmm. just in our bodies but outside of us and we start attracting people and things and events and all this cool stuff serendipitously and synchronistically and there's a wonderful life ahead and i see that illness is like this gateway to this an elevated consciousness right. um coming back to your inflammation question there are ways of testing if we don't if you don't have any symptoms whatsoever you can get some blood tests you can start with one of my favorites is high sensitivity C-reactive protein. One of my favorite medicine, uh, functional medicine doctors, Dr. Mark Hyman, referred mm. to this as one blood test that could save your life. And that, as soon as he said, I was like, that, I totally resonate because I think this as well. Why isn't, why isn't everyone testing themselves for inflammation? It seems so basic to me. Mm -hmm. um, so if you don't have any symptoms, if you're not over, by the way, if you're overweight, that's normally symptomatic of chronic inflammation. So I've helped many of my clients burn a lot of fat, not by focusing on calories, not by focusing on carbs, not well, well carbs is some part of it, but it's not about restriction of calories. Mm -hmm. It's not about, you know, going low fat. It's about addressing inflammation. So you address the inflammation, body fat dro drops off as a side effect of addressing the inflammation. I should right. use a different word. It's a it's a byproduct of addressing mm -hmm. inflammation, body fat dro dropping off. Well, a lot of times, I mean, not always, but in a lot of cases, um, we store toxins. I mean, in all animals, store toxins in fat, and it it, mm, it acts as totally. a buffer to, so that yeah. it doesn't go into the bloodstream. So it's actually yes. a protection mechanism. And if you detox, so that can mean different things for different people. I know it's kind of a loose term that gets thrown around, but, you know, not everything that the same things aren't necessarily toxic for all people at all times. Yes. So, and, and a lot of it has to do with degree as well. So, but if you, whatever the uh, detox pathway uh, opening that's necessary for you, whatever it is that is creating an uh, elevated toxic burden for you, because we all have different thresholds of toxic load, which, which we can withstand. But when you go beyond that limit, then yeah, that's, it becomes a pr protective mechanism. But if you start to eliminate those toxics and toxins and drain them, uh, a lot of times the uh, fat cells will release because they're no longer needed to shield that toxin from your bloodstream. So. hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yes. And it's almost like a, um, you get a double benefit when you get rid of the, with the body fat, because you're getting rid of the body fat and you're getting rid of the toxins. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah. So, so it, the, and that it, it lowers the inflammation as well because if you don't have yes, exactly. as much, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that's so for what. So, what what would you recommend people do to lower their inflammation? So, I would normally start with diet, depending on where the person yeah. is. Okay. Now, I've got a, I've got, I do private clients. Uh, client work and I do group coaching if I do it individually it's more bespoke and I'll just ask them what you know what the kind of day day of the life day in the life of them is in terms of diet and just to see if we can get some quick results and if they if they have a completely anti-inflammatory diet dialed in already we'll go to the next thing but most people will start they'll realize that they're eating some inflammatory stuff Mm -hmm. so Cleaning up the diet is normally one of the first things. Many people can reverse their symptoms by changing diet alone. Not everyone, but many mm-hmm. people can. And um, so we go anti-inflammatory, find out what the body's not liking, take it out, replace it, eat real food. That's kind of what we're doing, mm-hmm. rebuilding the gut, balancing the gut. We do various blood tests or microbiome tests and there's, very, there's some tests that you can do, or a bioresonance test. You can find out what the body just does not like and take mm-hmm. it out and see what happens. Right. So um, we normally start with nutrition, and then we I look at their exercise routine. We look at the cell, basic cell fuels. I try and simplify health as much as I can. We need to address our cell health. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, we need oxygen. The mitochondria. Num- yeah. Yes, yes. And... Oxygen is our first and foremost cell fuel. And then we have water, then we have nutrients, and then we have the ability to eliminate waste. They must be able to eradicate waste. So if we're not consuming enough oxygen, if people are sedentary, guess what? The body starts become, becoming malnourished. Um, if they're not consuming real water, some people are just drinking firstly non-water other people are drinking water that's not clean clean it up some people can change the water change their life thirdly nutrition are they eating fake food or are they eating real food designed for by nature is, is it nature as nature intended getting people as close as they possibly can to nature fourthly making sure they're detoxifying we have we must move the body we must de- find ways to detoxify we do i do wim hof breathing every single morning with a group and that alone is detoxifying by breathing we're exhaling 70 percent of the body's toxins so we need to be active we need to be shedding these toxins we need to get getting them out of our skin out of our lungs in any way which in any way possible so addressing the physical is normally where most people start mm-hmm. um and then we need to look at what toxins there are like likely suspects of toxins are there toxins in the house is there mold am i sleeping next to a wi-fi router is there a cell phone tower next to my house is there stuff that might be affecting my body which isn't in alignment with nature not as nature intended um is by is there a chemical plant nearby or there's looking at potential toxins in the external environment that might be causing an impact on the this internal environment then there might be internal toxins there might be an infected root canal or mercury or cavities or an infection somewhere, something that's causing an, an inflammatory response in the body. So eradicating the toxins and then putting fuel in, again, addressing all those cell fuels. So that's where we normally start with inflammation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people can get results without going to the next bit. Wow. But I talk about physical, mental, emotional, energetic. So that mm-hmm. normally it's normally most people require addressing every angle of health. 
the energetic piece, the the quantum realm, I, I think is the most exciting. But not it, if one isn't ready for that, they don't have to go there. I just think it's a reward. You know, you've done, you've done all the hard work. Get the reward. Um, <laughs> and you know, the mental piece is how our thoughts and our beliefs can make us sick or they can make us vital. We know about mm-hmm. the placebo effect. We know that if we take an inner pill, we take a pill of nothing in it through the sheer power of belief. The brain chemist can cause the body to secrete the perfect concoction of chemicals to heal. That's purely by the power of belief, which is a thought that we continue to think. So we have a lot of power over our body by the thoughts that we think and the beliefs that we have. The next one is the emotional. And we all we can all relate to how chronic stress causes illness. I think most people understand when we say 90% of illness or chronic illness is down to chronic stress. So we need to address that. We need to look at perspective, how we're uh, re- reacting to our world around us. And I've got some cool emotional intelligence tools to help people remain calm in otherwise stressful situations. Create new meaning for their suffering, ultimately. So I've done a bunch of research for this um, over my last 10, 12 years. And learned from brilliant teachers. Oh, I'll mention one, Tony Robbins. Um, I've mm-hmm. attended a few of his events, transformational programs, Date with Destiny and uh, UPW, and listened to a bunch of his programs 10 years ago. And that's he's one of the first people that kind of got me into the kind of personal growth or human potential movement. Um, but there's many other people I've, I've learned from as well. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and a book that... Um, I'd love to recommend for around creating new meaning is Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah, yeah. And I have I have witnessed young women create new meaning for their suffering, and um, and many other examples of people creating new meaning for really serious things. So powerful. So, yeah. Um, but Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning is one thing we can do. I wasn't learned. I, I wasn't taught any of these at school. Or growing yeah. up, none of them. No. Most people. Um, yeah, and I, the final I, piece. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go. No, I, I was final. just going to say I just did a whole thread on uh, the history of the modern education system and how it came from uh, Prussia's uh, schooling model. And oh, really? Yeah, and it stemmed from the failure of the Napoleonic Wars. They lost the Battle of Jena. Wow. And they then decided that they, they did not want to have these uh, critical thinking soldiers because they were rebellious. And so they created a model of education that was literally indoctrination so that people would be obedient. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. You've done more digging on that subject than I have. <laughs> and it makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a deep rabbit hole. But it's interesting once we've gone there because so much opens up. So many doors open up that weren't available mm-hmm. to us. Yeah, but this exactly. new awareness, this new consciousness, and new excitement to be alive. Okay. Um, yeah, and way less suffering. Yes. So tell us about the fourth one, which is most exciting to you. It sounds. Yeah. Oh, one thing I didn't rem- mm-hmm. mention or recap with the emotional one is releasing trapped emotions and trauma. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. So I mean, it's massive. <laughs> Arguably, one of the most important things we need to do. And and then. I- I'm so sorry to interrupt you again, but I just want to add to that because I think that uh, when you said, and you said this earlier, that so many of our ancient uh, medical modalities are, were very different, and a lot of them did tap into that. I mean, even Chinese medicine, which has been around for thousands of years, definitely addresses the uh, emotional underlying component yeah. of illness. 
And they, they, they dress it, they target it, whether, you know, not through our traditional kind of a talk therapy, which again, you know, I, I don't know that I made this clear, but that was, you know, the, the cycle, the field psychology and, uh, you know, talk therapy and that sort of, uh, uh, the social science was actually, uh, created by largely the Rockefellers, at least they were largely instrumental in the funding. So it makes sense that they did. And it was kind of a similar time period when they did the Flexner report. So it's, to me, it seems related. It doesn't seem like that's a coincidence. But yeah. 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 It's fascinating. And then the final one is, um, <laughs> this is such a deep rabbit hole, but, and, but it's good. It's, re- it's revealing and it's exciting once we get through it because we're like, wow. So we, what, we, we can do this and we can do this and we could do this. I, I didn't yeah. know I could fill my body with energy. I didn't know I could see with my third eye i thought only select people could do that i didn't know i had these psychic powers like all this stuff opens up when you tap into the energy realm which is what i talk about as a reward some people aren't open to meditation in week one and they get to week eight week nine they're like oh this is interesting i'm starting to like this now um and there's so much science behind meditation about it healing the body anti-inflammatory amazing for depression and like why are we doing this from the moment we're born right (laughs) we know why but (laughs) it's it's there's so much available to us and you know i've already talked about joe Dispenza. there's many other people teaching you know some incredible uh teachings in the quantum realm so once Mm -hmm. we tap into that field so much stuff opens up yeah um so we don't need to go too much into the quantum again because we've talked about joe Dispenza. and Mm -hmm. what i would say is people have had miraculous near on miraculous results or what we would consider miraculous results by understanding suppressed ancient traditions or teachings or ageless wisdom. I've got people on my podcast who've applied these teachings without any idea of, you know, recent teachers like like Joe Dispenza. One guy, he's 80, he reversed declining eyesight by using the quantum principles. And he he was also paralyzed. He was told he would never walk again. He's now walking. He's fully vital at 80. He's, he's amazing. Wow. Um, talking about psychiatry, one of my other previous episodes is a guy who reversed cancer. He was told if he didn't operate, he'd die 100%. 100% chance of death if he didn't operate. It's like, well, I'm not going to listen to that. Thank you for the diagnosis. I'm going to go and do the healing stuff. He did his trauma, like many, many, many rounds of trauma release. And the four months was completely in remission. And at the time, he was doing a PhD in some kind of psychiatry. And he realized that if he was to become qualified, he then becomes part of the system. So he left it. Um, and then he just, yeah, that's yeah. ever since he's been teaching all these other things that are empowering and exciting and revitalizing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I wanted to address when you were talking about like all the other possibilities that open up. I, I think sometimes that it can seem like a, a black pill, you know, a little doomsday when you learn uh, some of these, what what has been stripped from us. But I think that when you go down, so a lot of people don't want to go down the rabbit hole. I always say ignorance is bliss until reality smacks you in the face and reality always smacks you in the face. So you might want to look at it, but yeah. But I think the, the benefit of that is that it does open so many other possibilities, because if all of these things, you know, it's it may suck to think that all these things have been hidden from us and that, that we've been given a lot of modalities that don't benefit humanity. But the realization of that does pull the veil 
And that empower, I think that's quite empowering to think that there are other possibilities and that there are other uh, ways of looking at uh, at everything, really. But certainly when it comes to the healing and health space. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because it can seem doom- a bit doomsday at first. But mm-hmm. it's there's there's the saying, the truth shall set you free. Right. First, it will piss you off. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, it's that's how I felt. I've got extremely angry in the past. I've been finding this stuff out and just go, I've been wanting to do it all. I've been pretty good on social media without being angry on social media, but like it's been in me wanting to just unleash this stuff so the world knows. And of course, that's not helpful. People need to find this stuff out when they're ready. The teacher appears when the student's ready. And and it, I don't think it helps to just kind of talk about a lot of this stuff online um, because it's only going to resonate with people who are at the same frequency. Yes. What I would say is it is really exciting once we get stepped through the, trench, the trenches of all the BS and um, so much opportunity opens up. It's incredible. I'm way more excited to be alive than I ever was knowing all this stuff. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you have another book that you are in the process of writing. and Yes, it, it'll be ready in a couple of months. It's okay. the Vitality Code, and it addresses the four pillars of vitality that I just talked about. Fantastic. I, I want people to – I want it to be a handbook right. for people to reverse engineer their symptoms so they can take their power back. And discover the energy they never knew they had. Amazing. I love it. Well, well, I look forward to that for sure. Do you have anything else? I think we've covered quite a bit. So if you have anything else. We have covered a lot. Um, Not at this stage. It's been a real pleasure talking with you, Courtney. Likewise. We'll definitely tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your books. And uh, yeah, all that good stuff. Thank you. Yes. My main website is vitalitysecret.com. That's secret without an S, vitalitysecret.com. I'm on Instagram on Neil Cannon Vitality. Um, All the links are on my Vitality Secret website. And if they go to vitalitysecret.com forward slash book, they can download my e-copy of the current one, The Vitality Secret. And my podcast is The Vitality Secret Podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and for doing the work that you're doing. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Courtney. I've really enjoyed this conversation. We went many different areas. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise, likewise. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.